Satnam, I'm Guru Prakarmakar. Guru Singh and I travel the world, loving to meet an ever-growing global community. We are appreciative of your vital role on this planet, for it is your willingness to be here and listen that calls forth wisdom, that activates our collective voice in service. Your questions bring forth the answers. For a wealth of information about who we are and what we do, please visit gurusingh.com. Bless you. Satnam. Good Sunday morning to you. One of the keys to opening your motivation, which means that you have a sense of hope that your intention has value. Think about this. In order to be motivated, in order to be inspired, to actually invest energy, you have to have that glimpse of hope that your intention is valid. Now, Nothing validates your intention other than you. The external world can reflect some validation based on something previous. But what if your intention is something that's never been really done the way you're going to do it before? If your intention is something that has never been done the way you're going to do it, then there can be no external reflection of validation because there's no history. So the only way that you can generate the hope and the inspiration to fabricate some validation, literally out of thin air, the way money is created. Money is created by banks out of thin air. When a bank thinks that you have a good idea and the capacity to repay the debt, then it creates money and gives it to you. That's the system of debt economies. And when it gives it to you, it gives you an asset which also gives you a debt because everything has an equal and opposite. So think about this same protocol. When you give yourself the value to validate, value validates, value validates your intention you also receive a debt. You've received an asset of value, of validation, but you've also received a debt. The debt is doubt. 
So for every one of your great ideas, you have to have doubt. Otherwise, you don't have validation. So if you have huge doubt, you go, oh, this is really valuable. But what have we learned to do? We've learned to shrink away from huge doubt rather than to accept it as a validation of value. In order to have a shadow, what do you need? Light. A light. Simultaneously must exist. In order to have your 30 to 70 trillion cells in the body, you need 120 trillion microbes. Pesky little critters. Because we coordinate life. So, the yogic point goes and says, okay, where, where is all of this stored? Where is all of, where can I access this? And so the yogis back when they didn't have, you know, distractions online, a couple thousand years ago, when things were simpler, they just sat in South Asia, which didn't need to eat flesh because there was plenty of fruit and vegetables everywhere. And so they just sat in their meditative consciousness without aggressive concerns and contemplated these things and recognized and started to, what was the word? St started to associate body parts, physical body parts, with emotional parts. And they discovered that there were parts of your spine that contributed certain sensations to your feeling. That the lumbar section of your spine, which means the lowest portion of your spine, above the sacrum, was what contributed inspiration. And it's actually where the lumbar s stops is right there at the solar plexus, right there at the um, diaphragm. Thank you. And the diaphragm comes through the spine, comes around the spine, this massive muscle that separates your pranic value from your aponic value. And it's this incredible mechanism that's constantly pumping to breathe that separates, they recognized, inspiration from hope. What comes first, hope or inspiration? Yeah, because you saw me wait and you did, well, there's only two possibilities and that one didn't get much of a response, so I hope it's hope. I was inspired. Yes, you were inspired to come up with hope. 
See, hope, hope is more passive. Inspiration is more active. So passiv passivity comes up and allows for activity to take place. And hope comes out of the thoracic portion of your spine, which is from the diaphragm up to just below the shoulder. And then above that is the cervical portion of your spine. This and the sacrum, which is where the word sacred comes from, is literally where the sacredness begins. And the sacredness produces inspiration out of hope. But hope and inspiration live on either sides of your diaphragm. When do you take a gasp? When you <gasps> like this. Both in fear and in inspiration. And so it's how deep can you go with your gasp? This piece right here has been shut down for centuries. And because this piece here, diaphragm solar plexus, has been shut down for centuries, we have stopped using the gut brain and the heart brain and we have relied exclusively on the head brain. Now the head brain is for analysis. Very valuable. It's two-dimensional. Right and wrong, good and bad, left and right, up and down. It's very two-dimensional. Makes decision based on computer logic. Computer is a binary system also. Yes, no. If then. It's controlled by ones and zeros, which is ultimately controlled by electrons that are either on or off. Because electrons are either on or off except when disturbed by a lot of electromagnetics and then they become maybe which is a third category that has completely disrupted human psyches so all of this electromagnetic gauze that we are constantly being bombarded with through the wirings in our walls through the microwaves in our air etc etc it's the reason why when you go out into the woods and you spend some time out in nature, you come back feeling quite refreshed and rejuvenated is because you don't have any maybe. You're all perfectly yes and no. You're back to your binary base. But if your whole world is being controlled by the yes and the no, the right and the wrong, when there's no gray area, there's no dance. There's no music. Pope Gregory, back in the day, completely shut down the Christian world. And at that point, the Islamic world accelerated beyond the Christian world. And the Islamic world 
produced algebra, discovered all there was to know about human anatomy, produced all of these sounds way beyond the mm -mm -mm, 12 note scale, Greek. It'll come. Pythagorean. The Pythagorean scale. Way, way, way beyond this. That's why music from South Asia and from the, the Islamic areas of North Africa and pff, the music is so rich. But what did we create? We created unison and octaves, Gregorian chanting, which has its value, but it's like super boring. You know, it's got some, it's got some, you know, it can inspire you, but only for a while. But also, all of the art became two-dimensional. You couldn't use shadow in art. So everybody's psyche, which is a, which is a visual, op, uh, an auditory and optical psyche, suddenly, for hundreds of years, became shut down. And what did we end up in? What is called the Dark Ages. And what brought us out of the Dark Ages was the Renaissance, the renew, Renaissance, to renew, to renew your spirit. And early on in the Renaissance, the, the, the composers that were creating the thirds and the fifth intervals, they were considered to be, what's the word? Um, dropping words this morning. They're heres heretics. They were considered to be heretics. Galileo's lab partner got burned at the stake for saying that it wasn't a geocentric, a, a, an earth-centric universe. We don't really, we realize now it's not only not earth-centric, it isn't even universe-centric. There's universes upon universes, and I'm not talking about parallel existences in other dimensions. I'm talking about universes in three dimensions that are out beyond the horizon. That was nice, huh? <laughs> I remember this skit. Noah. <laughs> Who's that? Noah. Who's that? It's God, Noah. Right. <laughs> you remember that one-man show, one-woman show? I saw Lily Tomlin do that show. It was so good. She did it in the midst of her post-it thing, and she says, well, let me make a note of that. And she made and she made another. Did, have you ever seen that show? No. She had a jacket on, and she'd open up the jacket, and it was filled with post-it notes. Every time she get an idea, she'd write it on a post-it note and stick it inside of her jacket. So she wrote down an idea: God might exist. She put it in her jacket, and then she said, "My name isn't Noah." <laughs> So all of this works together and what the yogis 
thousands of years ago recognized was that, my goodness, this is what the animals are, are opening up. This is why the pigeon takes its foot and moves it through its wing. And so they said, okay, so we're going to form pigeon pose. They said, this is why the canines, when they first get up, they come like this. This is why we're going to form downward dog, and then upward dog, and then cat and cow, and then crane. Hmm? All of these various components were created because they realized what are these animals doing who are controlled by nature. They're responding to the nature of their body. And they created asanas, postures. And then they created kriya, which is to do a posture to, and then a posture and then a posture and they, maybe some movement in the posture and definitely some specific breathing in the posture and you end up with an outcome. All revolving around the emotional somatic relationship. And when you have an, a relationship between the somatic, the physical, and the emotional, it tunes the body. And when the body is tuned, it also tunes the brain. And when the brain is tuned, you receive data, information from the universal broadcast, which we call the mind, or the universal mind. And all of a sudden, you have a thought that supports your feeling. When you have a thought that supports your feeling, you get hope. When you have a thought that supports your feeling, you get hope. When you get hope, you're inspired. Now you're motivated. So the intention, which is your left thigh, suddenly ignites the motivation in your right thigh and you begin to take steps toward what it is that you hope will work out. But because hope is igniting inspiration and motivation, all you have to do is take enough steps and it must work out. It's not that you would get an idea that is false. Ultimately, if taking lifetimes, it will work out. Let me ask you a very technical question. Smartphone, correct? Depends on what you think is smart. But that's what it's called, right? Yes. It's called a smartphone. What's in it? Plastic? Metal? Rare metal? Minerals? Correct? Have all of the things that are in this been around for millions of years? Yes. Has plastic been around for millions of years? Of course it has. In its 
in its elemental stage. Correct? I mean, we didn't go to Mars to get phones. God, they got phones on Mars? You can't believe, man. It's good. I got the franchise. You know? Not making fun. I'm just making a point. So, why didn't we have phones a million years ago? Nothing had the idea. Nothing had the idea. Gal um, Leonardo da Vinci made drawings of helicopters. He had the idea. He didn't have access to how to manifest that idea. But did the idea come true? It just took lifetimes and generations, didn't it? So now we are at a rare time. We're at a rare time when our ideas are being primarily driven by our survival instincts. Almost all innovation comes from military research. A rocket is just a rock. Ket. That's all it is. It started out as a rock. That's why it's called a rocket. What if we began to inspire with hope research based not on survival instinct, but thrival intuition? Not how do I dominate you in order to be safe? How do I integrate you in order that we're both safe and then we go to integrate others to make it more safe and then we go to integrate others then to make it more safe? This could be a phenomenon. But it's based all right here. It's based all right here. When you gasp, is it an inspirational gasp or is it a desperational gasp? What does inspire mean? Inspirational, what does it mean? Inspire means in spirit. Des spirit means without. So it means that those of us that are of an evolutionary level that we are fully connected to spirit. We not only know that it exists, but we experience it, its existence. We're not living on made-up religious stories about somebody else that lived thousands of years ago that was really great and that holds somehow a patent and trademark and copyright on greatness. And nobody else can achieve that. That's what religion is doing it's okay, but it's not for your level. Your level is about, I am that. I am that enlightened one. And that means that we have to have an uprising 
an uprising. We don't need to spend all of our energy ridiculing the ridiculous. Because the ridiculous is just. Undeveloped soul bodies in human bodies. That's all it is. So maybe spend one-tenth of one percent of your inspiration ridiculing the ridiculous. But do it silently. Spend the rest of your energy inspiring your intention to get it motivated, to get it activated through the sacredness of your sacrum, the inspiration of your lumbar, the incredible, (gasps) incredible sensation of your solar plexus and your diaphragm which sucks oxygen and prana into your lungs to give you that sensation of hope. And then you run it through your trust and your faith in your cervical vertebra, all of the devotions of your spine, and suddenly you're going, ma, sa, ya, which is where the word Messiah comes from. It means ma, sa, ya. It means I am completely in balance, equilibrium. I have hope, I'm inspired, I'm motivated, I'm dedicated. And the combination of all these things creates a levity which counters gravity. And you don't get all that (coughs) sense of, oh, life, oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Because you carry that load for long enough and you're going to have to start looking for someone to blame. Because somebody's got to be to blame for this. I didn't do this to myself. Interesting, isn't it? How incredibly magnificent life is when you begin to recognize what balance is. Oh, so if I get motivated and inspired about my project, about my idea, about my relation, then I must also doubt it. What do you do with debt? Because doubt is debt. What do you do with debt? Pay it off. How do you pay off doubt? You counter doubt. Go surfing. 
go swimming, go walking, go hiking, go cuddling. I love the way the Brits, they'll come up after class, can I have a cuddle? I'm thinking, whoa, (laughs) whoa. But that's what they call a hug. Isn't that cool? What do we do when we hug? The heart center runs down the inside of the arms into the palms and hands and the fingers. So when we hug, we bring our heart toward the heart. And please, let's not do one of these, you know, which side's the head go on? You know, heart to heart. That's so aggravating because you just lose all the inspiration of the hug, don't you? Now you're in your head, which, uh uh-oh, right, wrong, good, bad, yes, no. Right? Like, don't go there with, not with me anyway, so just, you know. (laughs) When I hug you after class, I go to this side so I don't poke you in the eye with my microphone. Has nothing to do with some faux spiritual attitude. (laughs) The heart center is all over here, so it doesn't matter where we go with it. But anyway... Your heart center comes toward heart center, and then your heart center goes around to the back, and it's this. hmm? Incredible. A hug is a heart. It's a heart to heart. This is what those yogis all those thousands of years ago recognized they knew from the universal information that this body is an instrument learn to play the instrument learn to play it well and this morning's yoga set is for the purpose of playing the instrument and opening this solar plexus, opening this diaphragm, enabling us to have a a relationship with all of these incredible pathways opened. You see, when you don't open your solar plex, which is right in line with the vagus nerve, and that is the return path for the micro orbit, the orbit that goes up the, kund- the kundalini rising through the spine, it comes back down through the vagus nerve, goes up through the spine and comes back down through the vagus nerve. What happens is that you burn out because you, ah, yes, yeah, 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 but you never have any, hmm. And this, hmm, is the knowing that this is working. So then you have a constant, eh, 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 and but because you haven't relaxed to receive, nothing is coming back. And that's the nature of people that are highly exuberant. Highly spiritually oriented people are not necessarily the wealthiest people on earth. They're not even necessarily the healthiest people on earth. You have to learn to counter the inspiration with a calm reception. Right? So that's why we do yaw, and then we come back to 
ma, sa, ya. That's why it's not ma, sa, ya, ma, sa. <laughs> Though there are kriyas that are kind of like that. Hmm? So, sit for a moment, close your eyes. Feel your belly. Feel your solar plexus and your diaphragm. Experience your heart area, chest area. And as you're breathing, experience that the diaphragm, which is running your breath, sits between these two areas. And in between these two areas, that diaphragm is very liquid, very fluid. It's a wave motion. This awareness that you're giving yourself in this moment is an awareness that you should get in touch with probably every hour or so. And in that way, everything that you're working with has that balance of the connection at the gut, the circulation at the heart, and the analysis at the head. But it's balanced. Analysis is essential, but only if it's one-third. One-third, one-third, one-third. In relationships, when analysis breaks up a relationship, the relationship hasn't realized that the connection is still there, that the circulation is still there. The analysis just needs to make a correction rather than an annihilation. Analysis can be annihilating if it's not balanced by the rest of your instrument. Bless you for joining us. Visit gurusing.com for an ever-expanding archive of lectures, videos, yoga sets, meditations, and more. All classes can be found now on gurusing.teachable.com. There's going to be long-form classes available there, 30-minute long yoga classes with Kriya. There's also what is called a Kundalini Recharge. It's a brief lecture about something like depression or gratitude or achievement or partnering or success. And it'll be a lecture with a pranayama, a breathing exercise, 
and a single asana that you can just jump into during the day and then it'll round out with an affirmation or meditation. And these will be like 11 minutes. And then there are also going to be audio files which are guided 11-minute meditations which you can listen to. And that's all within gurusing.com. Satnam.